I have a problem in preaching. Um, I like to talk, so I started a clock. Hello. About nine years ago, on November 14th, I started a job at Inglewood Christian Reformed Church, and I walked up to the front door on my first day, and I noticed a plaque on the wall. And the plaque said, God protects the stranger. I've got to tell you, as a youth pastor, I didn't get it. Um, I'm used to walking up to churches and seeing plaques like, to the glory of God. Um, more non-riddled type verses that appear on plaques on churches. This was weird for me. And then a few weeks ago, or when we started uh, looking at what to preach on this Sunday, um, that verse came across my desk again. See, last week when we had our fun fair, um, about 200 churches in Vancouver uh, preached on that verse. God protects the stranger. Uh, we were entertaining and welcoming strangers here. Um, but God protects the stranger was a verse that... Um, I have the past eight years, uh, not always learning. And along with that verse, I came across and ended up studying this parable of Jesus that appears only in Luke. The parable begins his journey. This is Holy Week, and, it, and Jesus finds himself walking, and he is a pro- and this is where we find the story. This is not an expert of civil law, but this is likely set up to trap Jesus, to find some action, possibly to give his upcoming trial some validity. He welcomed sinners, Jesus did. This is why they crucified him. See, Jesus... Had no, gave no real reason why they were going to have this trial. Gee, they had nothing on him. And so as this expert of the law approaches Jesus, I think that's what his motivation was. I think he approached Jesus and said, all right, I got a question for you, with the idea of trapping Jesus or at least testing him. I think he kind of expected an answer to Jesus when he said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? I think he expected the answer, just love God. It's easy. See, I don't think he expected a question in return. Jesus, in turn, like in other chapters, in Matthew and in Mark, takes the opportunity to answer this question. He doesn't return or answer this question. Instead, he asks the question of him. How do you define the law? And so there's two, questions, or two responses that a guy like this could, could give. He could quote the 700-plus rules that are found in the Torah, or he could summarize what he had learned in two things, and that's what he does. This isn't a summary that he makes up. This is a general in the law. And the summary, as you know it, is love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love the neighbor as yourself. And as he says this to Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, do that. Do that and you'll inherit eternal life. Now, the problem with that is you have to understand the magnitude of actually what this guy just said. Okay, 700 laws of loving God with everything that you have. God is your priority. God is your effort. God is your everything. And then on top of that, you should love your neighbor. You should join in with their sorrows, with their joys. You should join their priorities. You should join their struggles. You should join their hardships with the same amount of energy and effort that you would your own. Do that. We're created beings in the image of God, and therefore, the honor and loving God with everything that we have should be expected. And the idea of loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's just generally a good rule. It's huge. Right? So I don't know about you, but my life, I forget. I forget to love God all the time. I forget to give everything that is in me to God all the time. I get self-focused, and I get busy, and I, I lose. I do that. This religious leader caught what he was doing. He caught the magnitude of what Jesus was asking. And so he asks another question. Not about God, but he says, who is my neighbor? I think the question is this. I think, I think he, he approached Jesus and said, listen, you don't really expect me to love everybody. Right? So... Who's my neighbor? Right? Or, or, hey, Jesus, can we dial this back a little bit? See, this was a guy who went through the 700-plus rules and was checking them off. Check them off, right? We come to church on Sunday. Check. We follow the And I think when he approached this and heard the magnitude, he said, wait a sec. Jesus, I need the base minimum. Jesus, give me the base minimum of what God expects in my life for salvation. That's the question. That's what Jesus is going to answer. So as he says this to Jesus, he says, give me the base minimum. And Jesus says, that reminds me of a story. And he tells this story of the Good Samaritan. It's a common story. It's a parable. That's why I picked it, right? It's Father's Day. I've got to be out of here in 22 minutes. No problem. I actually thought I, you know, had dealt with most of this stuff, too, personally. And God starts to grab you a little bit and starts to do stuff. So what is the base minimum? 
Here's the base minimum. Jesus says, to meet the needs, the concrete, the very sense, if they don't agree with what you believe. Now, let me say that a little bit different. Find people in your world, normally, that you despise, that you disagree with, that you ignore, and meet their concrete needs, or meet their needs in such a concrete and tangible way that they need to look at the gospel. They need to look at the good news just to make sense of it. You need to provide social assistance to this person. This guy coming along, he tells us two stories, and we'll get to the, to the priest and the Levi um, again. But he puts this Samaritan, and he's coming along, and it's the Samaritan that he sees this guy, this Jew, that has been beaten up and off, and the Samaritan is the focus. And the Samaritan then takes every opportunity, every chance, risks everything. Risks his safety. We'll get back to that. Risks. This is people groups hated each other. It wasn't like you're like, that's Sam the Israelite. It was the, that are different religions, and it was such a, like, it, it didn't like. And God says, or Jesus says, you meet their every need. It's going to financial, transportation, heal the wounds, like every need that this person has. I thought, you know, then, you, then we get into this works thing, right, as Christians, and so I went back, and Matthew 25, it also says this. Matthew 25, it also talks about the sheep and the goats, right, where it's not, not a parable, but he tells the story of the sheep and the goats, and he says at some point, there's going to need to be separation. So what would happen is some of the goats would sneak in some of the goats so would sneak in, and uh, they would need to separate those out of the sheep. So a friend of mine went to Scotland, got me socks, and one's got goats and one's got sheep on it, and that reminded me to tell this story. <laughs> so there's a separation, but the separation is based totally on the expression or the works that had been done. It's not the works so much. Jesus often compares this to trees, and he says, listen, you know what? There's a tree that has fruit and a tree that doesn't have fruit, and it's not that the the fruit gives the tree life, but the fruit tells about the life of the tree. It tells that the tree's healthy, and the same thing is happening here. Jesus identifies this and says, this is there's a health here on how you take care of people. So we talk about this encounter and this engage and equip, the three E's. So encounter, equip, engage. And so this idea, and and this is what God's been doing in my life. So as we preach the last sermon series, we talk about this encounter with God, and as our encounter with God helps, it starts to then bear fruit, and we start to serve the community, and, and that's what's happening here, okay? We start to love people tangibly. 
we start to, we, we can't help it, okay? You can't make a, a healthy fruit tree stop bearing fruit, okay? So you, this happens just naturally. And so this, as this story that Jesus is telling then comes to a question. Because my tendency, and, I, and, and the problem is, is you can't really dismiss it because I would dismiss it the who, the when, and the how much. Okay? That's how much I would dismiss this. So the who. The Samaritans and the Jews were, were, were bitter enemies. We talked about that. Um, they hated each other. Actually, if Jesus would have told this story um, differently uh, and, and said the Jew was traveling down and the Jew saw a Samaritan in the ditch beat up, um, and the Jew put him on his donkey and brought him and, and took care of him, um, I don't think it would have that much impact. I think the response would normally be the Jew would run him over a couple more times. And I'm serious. That's how much they hated each other. So the question is, is it the who? Who are you going to love? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to offer this tangible care to? Everybody in need are like us. We often don't mind helping people that we like or that like us. But it's the despised and it's the people that we push aside that Jesus is saying, those, everybody, anybody in need, that's who you ought to pay attention to. The second thing, and my, my second thing on dismissal is kind of like, is the when, or... See, I have no problem when people come and go through stuff. Um, that's not their fault. I have no problem helping people if their house burns down. I have no problem helping people that, for no reason of their own, go through some kind of issue. The problem that I have is, what do you do with people who bring it on themselves? What do you do with people that make mistakes on their own? And my own heart then becomes hard, and I am less than willing to help. And Jesus seems to take that away. See, he takes it away because this... This guy, um, he probably deserved what he got. Um, the, the story that Jesus tells actually is a real road that, that actually exists between Jerusalem and Jericho. And there's actually a place in there where it's called the Pass of Blood. Okay, I don't know about you. West hikes. I, but it, it, for me, a hike is what Wes would call a nice walk. It usually doesn't include inclines and... If it's downhill both ways, I'm a big fan. <laughs> but Wes, he looks for stuff like, you know, the hill of death, <laughs> right? So I would think at that point, like, I'm not coming, okay? And Jesus tells this story, and he gives it a real thing, and one of, one of the scholars I read says, yeah, no, he actually mentions this pass of blood, and so this is actually a normal occurrence where people would walk along these ways, and you're kind of putting yourself at risk, 
and you would, this is your own fault, passive blood. It's, I had a heart attack on the hill of death. <laughs> um, so we become very, you know what, that's his own fault, and yet, see, the, the people that pass by, I think were smart, because they didn't want to risk to themselves. They didn't want to take a chance. If the guy's still living, chances are the robbers aren't that far away. And the third thing is how much. See, I'm okay with helping a little bit till at like Toys R Us, okay? But they're always sponsoring something. It's the hospital or it's something, and I always go up there and I always like, okay, you want to give $2 for this? That's easy, because really it doesn't affect me at all. But I'm not sure <laughs> that's what the story says. So you think the guy had to go out of his way. He had to risk himself. It cost him financially. It took his time. It took his energy to put this person on his donkey, and then for him to come back. When we talk about owning each other's burdens... people are going through ought to be transferred to us. I think what it's saying is, listen, I I think what Jesus is saying, listen, if you're not burdened, if this doesn't impact your way of living, if this doesn't impact the way you live, you're probably not giving enough. You're probably not doing enough. I think that's the message here. He says, the who? People that you're not comfortable with. People that don't think the same way you do. Actually, people that think totally different from you, you ought to make a priority. People that have brought this onto themselves. People that have made, whether intentional or unintentional, or dumb mistakes. Okay? And it's going to cost you. You're going to feel the burden. I think, and I know, that's what saying, bare minimum in following me. Who, when, and how much? And then my question is, Who in the world can do that? See, I can't. Bare minimum for me is tough. I'm selfish. I don't always like the people that I'm working with, and some reason I can find to run to the other side of the road. And so then I'm stuck with the thing of how in the world do you live this out and do this? And I think there's two reasons. First reason. And I don't think it's Christian. Um, guilt? I think we're good at that. See, uh, it, it's moral lifestyle. Like, should you help people? Yeah, you're a good person. You should help people. Right? You don't even need to be Christian for that. I have friends that are not Christian that believe that this is the way that you ought to live your life. You ought to help people. 
you got to be a good moral person. If you're someone that just keeps all the money to yourself or keeps all your stuff or doesn't help other people, like, those people aren't fun to be around. So a good moral lifestyle. Every tells you that you ought to live a life that blesses people that don't have what you have, that need help. That's the moral. This is the other one. Remember I told you, if I would have wrote this story, I would have wrote it different. I think Jesus is in... See, Jesus says, he doesn't put... He doesn't put me in a position to be able to help, but he says, what if you were in a position where you need help? What if you were in the road? What if that hated you? What if someone, for no other reason than grace, for no other reason than grace, helped you? See, then you get it. See, it's does this. Jesus owed you nothing. Actually, I've done so much to push him away. I have done so much to insult him. I have done so much sin that he owes me nothing and yet took me and put me on his donkey. Made sure my wounds were healed. Made sure my needs were met. Forgave me How in the world do I hold that back from others? And it is only, see, he does this to the lawyer, right? The lawyer's like, he can't even say Samaritan when he says, who was the neighbor to this person? He can't even say the word Samaritan. I love self language church. Um, Dave, when he started this, uh, Dave and Wes, when they started this sermon series on, and they gave me a book, and I didn't do it. I hope Dave's not here. Uh, I didn't do the book. And yet I sat in the sermons, and it started to impact me, and I started to realize that my encounter with Christ, of celebrating that he took my sin, and he loved me, See, only with that do you get away from the guilt of helping people from just, you get to. Because you realize that someone did it for you. 
And therefore, therefore, you have this ability to pass that on to others. God bless you.